Welcome to episode 96 of Coffee Pods and Wallets, sponsored by Rain Body Fuel, the ultimate fitness focused drink to support your performance, and also kindly sponsored by Ollie Clothing, a brand dedicated to helping you in your pursuit of success. Ollie make products that support all active endeavours and they create content that adds clarity and convenience to the self development process. I've also got Burbox Coaching Development.com on board, and um, they'll help you develop as a coach. In a personal sense, through self-discovery, while learning academically about the psychological side of coaching, and you can use the code PODS for 20% of that. And the gymnastics course has opened its online platform for programming um, and for completing the certificate itself. Um, we've given away a free month of programming uh, to patients of the show. You can sign up on coffeepodsandwads.com. Um, and there's still 40% off um, on Reebok.com for US residents up until the 19th um, of February. You can use PODS40 at checkout. There's certain exclusions for that. Today's guest is uh, Teza Prasevich from CrossFit Mayhem. We chat just after uh, she made the announcement about taking a year off competing and the day after the new Mayhem team was announced. Um, we talk about all of that and we also cover, you know, jumping out of a plane um, and coaching at the CrossFit Games. Just normal stuff like that. Um, enjoy, listen, share and tag. So first of all, thanks for doing this. Um, yeah, thanks for having me. No, I'm delighted. Um, you've obviously you've got a coffee shop like in the gym and mayhem um so i assume is does your day largely revolve around sitting drinking buffalo brew and eating froning farms jerky just all day every day i mean there's definitely a buffalo brew coffee in every day for sure um you i walk through there to get to any of the offices to get to the gym so you're presented with coffee in your face every day which is a great thing i think yeah that's that's only a recent addition as well isn't it yeah, to the gym. That's been the most recent is uh, Buffalo Brew Coffee Shop. And is it, so like, I suppose from the outside looking in, if you look at uh, Mayhem's, you know, the social media and stuff that goes out. So there's obviously the Train With Rich days, which are like, you know, big, you know, packed events or whatever. But then the rest of the stuff that people, I guess, are privy to is maybe four people, doing something or like six people doing something or maybe one person doing something like is there is the gym like the say the uh building segmented into okay here's our crossfit affiliate where we have you know classes with x amount of people coming in whatever and here's a slot of the day that the mayhem teams or mayhem athletes that live here train or like is it done like that or is it just a free-for-all um it's pretty much just a free-for-all so um, as far as like, obviously the trainers each days, those days are packed and we're at the gym and we have people who have come in from all over the world that are training and things like that. But the majority of the time, the team actually trains up at Rich's barn because yeah. it's right near, it's on his property and his kids can be there and all this stuff. Um, it's much less chaotic. So we're not always typically at the gym, but for any podcast or any meeting business type stuff, we'll be going to the gym. Um, and then sometimes we're at the gym too, if it's crazy cold or things like that. Um, but the coffee shop itself is standalone as well. So some days, like you can enter through just the coffee shop and just go to the coffee shop okay. if you want. You don't actually have to go through CrossFit Mayhem. So if you're just driving through and want a coffee, you don't care anything about CrossFit, um, you could go to Buffalo Brew. I think the draw mostly is for people who care about CrossFit, but the coffee's really good. So even if you don't care about CrossFit, you just come in and get some coffee. Yeah. Is it the coffee's from Hawaii, is it? I believe so. I don't want to, it's, um, I think it's Mahalo Coffee Roasters, yeah. but don't quote me on that because if I'm wrong, I'm like. Yeah, no, that's what I saw <laughs> as well. So you're, you're corroborating my story anyway. Um, something I love hearing about uh, is, 
guests uh, coffee memories. So like oh. you're, I suppose, very well traveled, uh, probably uniquely well traveled this year compared to other people. But um, is there is there like a place you were or a person you were with or, you know, a, a scenario you found yourself in that happened to involve coffee that, that springs to mind maybe? Um, well, when I think of good coffee, I definitely think of Kauai. Uh, I was actually there over Thanksgiving. Oh, you did the walk, the yeah, with um, God, I can't remember. With Aaron Hoff. Yes, that's yes, it. yes. And Aaron, he is like one of my favorite people, and everything that he's done with the Kiala Foundation, I can always just go off on like a tangent of just talking about the Kiala Foundation and how much good they do in the world. But um, when I go there, their coffee is so good, and typically I drink my coffee with cream. Um, but there, for some reason, I'm like, I can drink it black. It's so good. Like, it tastes, like, amazing um, when you get quality coffee. I've definitely tried co- coffee in different countries that I haven't been super a fan of, but I think it's just they just do it differently, maybe. Yeah, no, a good few people. The two the two places that seem to get mentioned a lot uh, by guests is Australia and Hawaii. Hawaii really recently, for some reason, like Will Morad was talking about it. Um, just, yeah, there's been about, I'd say, three of the last guests have mentioned it. you're the fourth. So there's obviously oh. something I need to check out there. Um, speaking of uh, podcasts, you mentioned them a moment ago. Like usually I ask people if they listen to podcasts, obviously you've been involved with Froning and Friends. Uh, on, you know, I guess like varying different episodes. So it's not as simple as say, oh, we're going to interview this person about CrossFit or whatever, because obviously you've got like faith-based episodes and stuff as well. Like how do you find... Um, podcasting like using podcasting as a medium yeah I I love it honestly podcasting has been so fun for me and it's just it's been really new to me in the last year because I wasn't originally on Froning and Friends Uh, my roommate who is here she was on Froning and Friends until she left Kristen Miller and Into the Storm which is the other podcast that's faith-based started out of quarantine or Mm. out of um, COVID so Froning Friends is they're totally different so like Froning Friends is super fun we're just kind of just shooting the shit you know just talking about whatever um making fun of each other we've got ellie who's just a riot just always bringing something to the table jim and his wisdom and then rich just being rich so um that's a lot of fun and then into the storm is a totally different i think style of podcast because i study for it like a specific um book in the bible or a scripture or whatever we're doing I study and spend time trying to like dive into the commentary. So I'm more understanding and then try to relate that to my life because it's not necessarily a teaching or a preaching. It's just like discussing what we've read and how it like has related to me or things like that. So I spend more time preparing for that one. And I feel like I get a lot more like, I guess like you, like you study people, you see those, you learn a lot more about the subject, whereas Froning and Friends, it's just like a totally different, it's just like a fun hour of just making fun of things that happen during the week and things like that. Yeah. And then on, I suppose on the other side of it as well, you've guested on a lot of shows, like, you know, you've been on the Power Monkey one and, you know, Clydesdale and others like, do you, like, do you enjoy being interviewed or is it something like, is it something that you maybe view as more of a responsibility or like a role that you have to fulfill? Um, I enjoy being interviewed. I think it's, I just like talking to people. Like if we spend time together, we can just talk, right? Like you can get on and just talk. And I really enjoy just getting to know different people. And I find it fun too that when I've been interviewed at so these specific type podcasts, everyone's so different. Like what they bring to the table or what they want to know is usually so different. 
Um, and so that's fun for me to try and just be able to put into words some of the things that like people are asking what they want to know. Um, so it's a good, like, I think it's a growing experience too. Not only do I like to talk, but it's, it gives you some growth of like being in the camera and having to answer questions you know, yeah. on the spot. <laughs> it's kind of forced introspection as well, I suppose, because like you say, if someone brings up something that you maybe haven't thought about in a while or that you've never thought about, you're kind of forced to, you know, like if you if you pose a question to someone and don't, if they don't have time to prepare for it, you're going to get an honest answer or else it's going to be obvious it's not an honest answer, you know, because they'll be fumbling so much. So I think it, I think that's the, the, the good thing. I, I think I've only... I've only ever been asked in advance for questions like once. And even then it was like, you know, be vague. Like, don't tell me exactly what you're going to ask me, but, you know, give me a rough idea of stuff, talking points or whatever. So I think it's it's cool. I think the the vulnerability, I guess, that people are willing to show to be like, yeah, grand, I'll talk about whatever, like, you know, and I think something that I know something that I try to promote, and I'm sure other podcasts are the same, is like, you know, talk freely, say whatever you want with the comfort of, editorial privileges later on to be like oh I shouldn't have said that will you take that out like you know um yeah yeah I think I think that's what's cool too like I mean like you like if you trust someone you trust you've seen their podcast like you've looked at their page most people aren't out to get you right like if you were to say or do something but um yeah it's it's funny you should mention that because i no i'm joking (laughs) (laughs) you're like just wait (laughs) flicking through notes yeah i'm Um, gonna prop this up (laughs) so like social media then is i guess another another role or responsibility that that athletes are i suppose finding themselves it kind of comes with the territory as you know maybe a bit of a poison chalice that that goes with the you know i guess quote fame um of being an athlete like you know it's almost like whether you like it or not, you have to do it. It's kind of weird if you don't do it. And then there's demands either, I suppose, intentionally or unintentionally from fans to to show certain aspects and to, you know, like they kind of, I guess, some aggressively and some like, you know, maybe accidentally ask, you know, questions or pose pose questions that maybe they shouldn't. Like, has your experience of it largely been positive or have you had any of those kind of moments where you're like, okay, I need to block that person or I need to, you know, avoid this kind of thing in future yeah I think like you said social media has so many there's so many great aspects to it and then there's so many negative aspects to it and um I mostly have a lot of great followers people who are super kind to me and are gracious and that's so wonderful and um I'm like so appreciative of all them and I just like anyone else you're gonna get people who are mean who are nasty and I've had those people too I mean I've definitely had people you know, come on comments negatively about my body or what they think I should look like and stuff like that. And when I was younger and just growing in the space, I would kind of take those things to heart and be like, wow, this sucks that this one person out of like all these other people thinks this about me. Um, And now as I've grown and I'm like, I see something, if I see something negative, that's like that, that's just mean, I'll just block them. I think, you know, I'm also a person where I would love to hear your point of view. Like I'm you don't have to believe my point of view to follow me on social media. I don't have to believe your point of view, but we can be okay. And I'm interested in other people's point of views and like, they're just differing people. And I'd love to know and learn about other things. So I don't necessarily block them if they just have a differing point than me. Like, I don't Mm. think that makes sense. But if you're just going to come on to the point of being mean, then yeah, no, we're good. You can follow. (laughs) You don't have to follow me. (laughs) Like that's okay. Um, So yeah, you definitely have to have, 
you grow a thick skin though. Um, and you probably know too from your social media, if people don't like something you post. And I mean, yeah, that's the world. In today's world, everyone's, I feel like a lot of times people get offended really easily and they're like really aggravated if you don't say or think the same thing as them. And that's actually a problem. We need to be okay with people having different point of views and being able to talk about that and not just be like, no, this is it. Like, this is right. This is what I believe without being able to hear the other person. And I think that's something that we all need to work on. Yeah. Even like I was listening to Savan and Josh and Matt's podcast the other day. And like, they were kind of talking about Josh told a story about how someone messaged him basically like cursing at him and calling him a, you know, like saying he's turned into a pansy since he moved to California and all this, like, and, and Josh replied to the message. and was like, what the hell? Like, you know, he's like, what's your problem? And the guy was like, oh, you're my favorite CrossFitter. Like, you know, <laughs> and Josh was like, well, why did you like, why did you start off? He's like, oh, I just wanted to get your attention. And, you know, Josh was kind of laughing at it. But Savannah was like, well, I mean, you replied to the message. So he, you gave him what he wanted. Like, and Matt was telling similar stories. And I guess like even I suppose most recently with Mayhem, we've seen, I suppose, the the positive, the negative and maybe the kind of murky side of CrossFit as well, where, you know, like, the Matt spoke about rich and then like the community just well I suppose it's it's not fair to say the community but like sections of the community just piled on like I remember going on to one of Rich's posts um the day after being like I wonder like is it having a hangover effect and like clicked in like six comments there's only about five comments on it or ten comments on it and five or six of the ten were like why is such a dick to Matt and it's kind of like you know it's that thing of I guess that misplaced ownership where it's like you know i'm a fan therefore i have you know a right to know what's going on or whatever but then i guess we saw the good side of social media where it was useful for both of them to just immediately clear it up within like two days to just be like picture handshake let's talk it out put it up done it's over and it's since basically been forgotten about like so i think you got to see the whole circular narrative there of you know the the uses and the poison chalice aspect of social media in a nice little kind of nutshell. Yeah, that's like such a, that's a great example for that. Just seeing, I mean, how big it got blown up to something that nobody really knew the truth. Like, you know, nobody knew the truth about the two of them between, yeah. besides the two of them, the two people that were interacting. So you got the two of them and everyone else thinks they know what's going on. And then it just becomes, yeah, it was chaos. just the chaos of social media is so funny. And that's truly where I see the negative sides of it. But then, you know, they made up and it was like this beautiful thing of everyone's like, oh, this is great. Yeah, <laughs> so, they, both, they both shook hands and broke each other's fingers. <laughs> <laughs> it just totally cracks me up. Just even the social, like looking from the social media side of it, of like, you know, people just hating, hating, hating. Yeah. And then they see one thing they're like, oh, okay. Like, yeah. was it worth it to go through all that hate? Yeah, I kind of wonder as well, would would the same thing have happened, say if this was like 2018, would the same thing have, like if there was more going on, like basically everyone's kind of clutching at straws for like CrossFit content to be like, we've no competitions <laughs> to talk about, we might as well talk about this. Um, I was curious as well, like, do you feel pressure, say being around Mayhem, like the 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 culture of it and the building and the people and stuff? Because obviously like say, Rory's there now and there's more of a, a I guess a, a, a laser focus on media output and there's you know there's either you know in-house media being done or I know it's a popular place for you know people to go and get content and you know uh, go and make content out of what's happening and stuff um like 
it's such a hollow ground for the sport. Like, do you ever, like, are you ever going to train thinking like, oh God, like there's going to be someone here now with a camera and I'm really not feeling it today. Uh, that's so funny. Um, so I've kind of like, since I've been here for three and a half years, I've grown with as the media has grown too. Like they all already had a media team and were doing all that stuff before I got here, but not to the capacity that they're doing now. Um, so I was exposed to it like at the end of 2017 and I really didn't like being on the camera. It was not normal for my life because I had come from a place where I was never on camera. All of a sudden people are filming me like all the time and I didn't really like it. And now it's just kind of the norm. I mean, especially for Rich, he's on camera all the time. And since quarantine, we've done these live streams on YouTube um, that are literally Monday through Friday. So I'm just uh, on camera and it's okay with like, I'm okay with it. There's, I'm pretty transparent person as it is anyways. I mean, some days, like, I don't want to do my hair and I just don't. And I'm like, okay, well, it's hopefully, like, Ben doesn't come in to film a Mayhem Monday because this is what it is. But also, I'm like, I can't worry about that. I just got to show up. Um, so it's kind of just the norm, to be honest. I don't feel any pressure. I know, too, that it's, like, a super safe environment. Like, everyone that's working at Mayhem, like you said, like, if there is – if I – some reason looked or did something dumb that I didn't want on camera it could easily be cut out but luckily I haven't come across that um they usually love those dumb things they're like this yeah. is what's gonna make, make the videos so uh yeah no it's it's a really unique environment and I think I'm just used to it but it's also on the other hand probably not normal like yeah. what someone would think would be normal yeah like I guess like shooting it way back then like when you were growing up you're heavily involved in gymnastics and all like all the way up through college which is kind of rare in the sport like usually people tend to drop mm -hmm. off around like you know nine or 12 or 15 mm -hmm. they tend to drop off like a lot of guests I've spoken to have done gymnastics have spoken about the kind of you know the 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 strong demands it puts on you like mentally as well as physically like and then that there's nearly that kind of military routine it's kind of similar to swimming in that way I guess that you kind of you yeah. have to train like and you can't not do it is that something that you think in hindsight that you thrived in that environment of like the kind of the rigors of it, I guess. Yeah, totally. I think I've been kind of like a, I say a striver since I was like a, a young girl. And I think part of it was involved in just like the sport, like being in gymnastics, because it is so just like, I, that's all I wanted to do. And I actually like did half days at school to train. Like I like thought about homeschool, I was like super into it, wanted to go to the Olympics. And that didn't come to pass, but like still the training of all of every day. Um, I loved it. And I was super passionate about it. And it forced, not forced, but it grew in me a very competitiveness. And then also on that, like hardworking discipline, a striver, um, which can be a great thing. But also it, there's like a negative side set too, which I'm, you know, growing and working on. But I think what's cool is that what led me like I sometimes look back and think that gymnastics was kind of like a stepping stone to CrossFit because mm -hmm. that's what like was in my destiny but I didn't really know it at the time I just wanted to be great at gymnastics and I was never great I was just pretty good and then to see to see all these really cool doors open through CrossFit and then just getting to come to Mayhem and being on Rich's team it's like a it's a really cool thing for me to look back and be like oh gym gymnastics was super important in its time and its place so that it got me here like when it happened when it, when it I guess became apparent that it wasn't going to happen originally like was that a different a difficult like reality to accept at the time or were you kind of quick to move on 
Yeah. So what happened was when I was 17, I actually had knee surgery. And that was like kind of when I was at like my peak of my gymnastics. I definitely wasn't going to make it to the Olympics by any means. And I knew that, you know, that, you know, that pretty soon, like maybe like 13, 14, like, okay, I'm not going to make it to the Olympics. But I still wanted to compete at that elite level. And that was um, not going to happen. And then the bigger issue was when I had knee surgery at 17, I was literally in the middle of recruiting. And I remember actually one of the recruiters from college was there when it happened and I injured myself and just the reality of, okay, I need, I need a scholarship to go to college. And that was like the big thing, like, okay, I've got to figure out someone who's going to give me a scholarship to college when I'm a butt, like my knees all messed up. Um, I've got this going on and um, gratefully, it's like so crazy how everything works. Uh, I ended up at the University of New Hampshire and I totally loved it there. And it was not my top choice originally. Like that's not where I had planned to go. Given I was born and raised in Arizona. I didn't even know where New Hampshire was on the map. I just knew it was like really far away and it ended up being awesome. And I loved it there. So, so yeah, it definitely, I can't even remember your question exactly, but I'm talking in a circle. <laughs> no, no, that's good. That's good. I think you've, you've gotten there in a roundabout way. Um, like when you started CrossFit then back in like 2013 or that, like you were working, you're working two jobs. So some people are like, Oh, I was working full time. I started, but you were working full time like twice. Um, was there a point in when you were training or when you were, you know, like kind of getting used to it and stuff that you thought like, okay, I, I, I could be in a position in a while here to quit what I'm doing and like replace those sources of income through something that I enjoy doing. Yeah. It is actually funny. Cause when I originally started CrossFit, I had no plans to compete. It really, that is not why I started. I was kind of like done with the competitive scene of my life. I felt after gymnastics and I just didn't really know how to stay in shape, how to work out because someone had always told me what to do as far as fitness goes. And I started just doing CrossFit like every a class when I could because I was working a ton at the time. And through a year of just doing a class, the next year of the Open, I ended up coming in 64th in the Northeast at the time. And that's when they took top 45. So I was like, wow, I was... I'm not far off and I've just been kind of doing classes and I mean, maybe I could do this. I didn't think of it as like something lucrative, just kind of like as far as financially, but more of, man, it would just be really fun to compete because I'm competitive. And that's when I was like, I think I'm going to start training a little bit harder. And I started taking the training more seriously. And then I was able to qualify for regionals in 2015. Um, So that's kind of where it grew and, from there, then I was like, okay, maybe I should become a CrossFit coach so I, <laughs> so I can train more and then just continued down that road. And then like you mentioned regionals there. So you've, you've like, you know, your first time there, you finished up 12th and then the next year you followed up with a fifth place finish and like a trip to the games and 15th, like at the first regionals, I, I heard you speak about um, your start and how you struggled. The first couple of events were just a shit show basically like they just your yeah. nerves kind of got the better of you like and then you were kind of facing into I guess what you would have considered like a, a, an event where you needed to just control the damage and you know bail out the boat until you got through it but you mm-hmm. ended up finishing second in that and then continued to climb steadily um to get your qualification like it, it like I've heard you talk about your faith in the past I guess and like you're kind of I suppose a belief in like an overarching plan and stuff and how, you know, it mightn't be clear. Like, has that been important to you in those kind of moments? Like, is it something that you think about in the middle of a workout or just after a bad workout or just before a workout or like, is your, is your competitive spirit and your, 
um i guess your religious beliefs like kind of separate most of the time and only intersect sporadically or is it something that are totally intrinsically linked in your mind um i would say totally intrinsically linked in my mind for sure um and i think it's kind of it gives you like a freedom something i try to explain to people in competing um for me personally is being able to have my identity outside of crossfit is super important because crossfit could be taken away from me in a second like i literally could be out there and trip and you know break my hand and then i can't Mm -hmm. compete and so if my identity and all my worth and everything i put on is in crossfit then that can be gone and that's really scary and what's really cool is like for me my faith is a huge part of my life um but i was able to especially like i talk about the 2019 season with freedom being able to truly live and compete in freedom of like I'm so excited to be here. I love competing. I've worked really hard. I can go out without this. There's always pressure, but it's a different pressure of like, if I go out and totally bomb, I'm still me. I'm still like who I claim to be. I still have a lot of great qualities. Like competing crosses is not what makes me an amazing person or this or that. So you can compete in this freedom of like, not this overarching stress of if I don't win, then I'm nothing like then everything wasn't worth it. And then this and that. And I think that's the biggest part of like, especially if we flash back to 2016, I had gone in and it was crazy. Like there's so many God things of that whole regionals for me, but like, like the workouts and everything, how they lined up and then just kind of blowing it in the middle of it. Like in these two workouts, having two crazy finishes. And I remember just seeing um, a verse in between those workouts because I was kind of like everyone was like oh they just blew it you know well this sucks and I, it was James one is like considered surely, surely that's perceived on your part I, I doubt anyone went up and was like oh <laughs> <laughs> that's fair um but like to me I was like I've had this moment of like wow that's like you can't come back from I think it was like a I don't remember but mid-20s it was like 24th and 22nd or something um and that was kind of unseen of the people kind of coming back in regionals because it was hard these super regionals to be top five and I've seen a verse from James I consider it pure joy when you face trials of many kinds like this is what's creating endurance in these things in you and that's not it verbatim obviously but um I was like super encouraged by that and then just little things kept happening and I was able to just take the pressure off and like all right let's just go compete because I love competing this is what I'm you know God has gifted me to do and it ended up working out with like a really that's one of my favorite memories of CrossFit is qualifying 2016 just because of how it happened and I mean Mm -hmm. I don't know if it would have felt the same if I had gone you know if I was going to the final event with this giant it was like a cushion and like knowing I was going to make it where it was like kind of this bubble thing battle so I wonder if it would be different. Yeah, I guess it's more of a, a Hollywood ending, I guess, isn't it? It's more like, yeah, it's, you know, the underdog. Everyone roots to the underdog. Um, so you finished 15th that year, uh, which is nothing to be sifted at in your rookie year. And then I guess the year after an athlete's rookie appearance can sort of have that difficult second album syndrome where it's, you know, like, God, was that a fluke? Or, you know, how do I replicate that? Or what if I can't replicate it? And you basically had all of your career injuries in the same, like, year. Yes. Um, and you were sick during the open and stuff like is that is is it from there that that kind of resilience that you have now of separating yourself from your I suppose athletic uh, prowess has come from because 
obviously all of those things are totally out of your control but even the most strong-willed of people can or the you know people with the strongest faith can feel a bit of a dip there when it's like oh come on like surely not another thing on top of all the other stuff yeah totally I mean it was definitely a dip for me in that season and just because you have you know a strong faith or strong will doesn't mean that you're not gonna experience those struggles and those sadness and things like that and um it was really hard because I felt super lost I'd had such a great 2016 and then it was like I had so many injuries it was kind of like crazy and then got sick during the open it's just like it felt like one thing after another um and sometimes when you're in in a season like that you can't really see the light and I definitely wasn't seeing much light there there was so much going on that was just not good but in looking back like that's what kind of led me to come here and I think originally when they had asked me to be on Mayhem Freedom my thought in my head was like like I knew it was a a killer opportunity that was super awesome but I was like I think I should compete like should I compete individual still because I had lost my 2017 season in my in my head like I didn't have that opportunity and that was definitely not God's plan for my life it was to come here and be team but I'd I'd never competed on a team really in my life even gymnastics is very individual sport even if you're on a team you still are doing things on your own um but I know do you know why they asked you like did they ever say oh the reason we reached out to you was because of this or was it just like were you just like I don't care I'm here (laughs) yeah no they did um so they had asked they had gone through 2016 roster of the game and whoever uh they had like gone through some people and asked them and I was just one person that they're like oh who's this girl and they kind of vetted people based on like social media like do they seem like they're nice and then they brought me in um and they liked me enough to keep me around. And obviously you had to be fit enough and all these things. So it's, yeah, I'm like, so that's one of the coolest. Me getting to Mayhem is so cool. I was like, I can't believe I was the girl. Cause at that time, I remember they had done this post that was like, oh, who's going to be the new girl? Be like, let us know if you want to be the new girl. And I'm like, are they going to, like, they asked me to come here? Like, what? This is crazy. Um, so yeah, it's really cool. Was it difficult in the beginning? Because obviously like, there's pressure, you know, there's there's normal pressure with competing anyway. There's a pressure to, pressure to perform. And if you're joining a team, especially when you've not done team, you've got this kind of pressure to, you know, prove yourself. You know, you don't want to be the last one to finish something or the first one to drop or whatever. And then when it's that team as well, it adds an extra element. Like, but you've also lost, I guess, the support of the familiar, like, you know, because you've moved and you've like uprooted yourself and moved. So you've lost like, stuff around you that's usually around you as that kind of support network and then I guess with the team that it was and its members have trained together competed together and they've succeeded together as well which I suppose makes it like extra difficult to kind of step into like what are your memories of those first say like couple of months when you were there oh it was hard (laughs) it was super hard and not because anyone wasn't great and wonderful everyone was super kind and they welcomed me in right away but just like you said the self-inflicted pressure of one, two, I was coming in not fully recovered from my injuries. I was still rehabbing a torn labrum and I still had a stress fracture in my foot. So they kind of took me on with this hope that I was going to be okay. And like, I, that was definitely a fear in the back of my mind. Um, but yeah, coming into an environment where it was super competitive, like as far as there are two teams at that time in 2018. So we had four women total and then we had four men. So it was like, you're never wanting to come in last. 
um, and a workout and not just among your four, but among the other four of the other teams. So there was definitely a ton of pressure that was induced by myself that made it really difficult and made um, the transition hard. And like you said, just living in a new environment where like everyone's like your friends, but they don't know you yet. Mm -hmm. So like there's this level of like, you don't have that like intimacy of like a true, like, Oh, I've known you for six months and like, I can help you. I understand what you're going through. So it was really hard. And we talk, we laugh about it now for sure. It's like, you kind of have to go through the fire sometimes to get to where you need to be. And I think like part of that was like a little bit of like a refining fire of like having to show up every day with crazy pressure, even like though it was self-inflicted, but this crazy pressure to perform is what made me get to the point like of as fit as I was to be able to do that. So, yeah. And then I suppose like you're in it maybe, uh, a uniquely empathetic position then in 2019 when you know China and Dre joined the team like it, like did you feel an onus of responsibility there to be like it's okay guys I've done this like you know I, I'll you know come with me I'll take you under my wing yeah it's so funny because China and I we talked about it a lot mostly because like we both competed individual and the pressure competing individual is very different than competing on team I in my personal experience have found that teams way way worse when it comes to pressure because you as an individual, you're just going to let yourself down, which sucks. But like, if you have three other people on the field that if you mess up, you're letting them down as well. Like, that's a different kind of pressure that and this is just my personal opinion that is, it's hard, it weighs on you. And I think China, she didn't, she we talked about it going to she's like, okay, I didn't understand it until we got here. And then there's also this pressure of the expectation to win. It's not, we're not going to the games or to these competitions anytime, just to have fun. It's like, as mayhem freedom you're going to win um so recognizing that pressure too is a little bit different um so yeah we we laugh about it now and dre is just like he's a freak i don't even know he he did so amazing i i we have the joke because we like pretend like we hate each other but i'm amazed that he handled the pressure as well as he did because he just came in won a gold medal peace out yeah like (laughs) you mentioned there about the that you go the team goes to win and like that that's the you know the overt aim that it's not hidden like was there a weird atmosphere I suppose in hindsight looking back now that first year because I was they hadn't won the year before so when you arrived was there kind of a, a like a, an extra kind of element of weirdness around the place um I think maybe so at the time Rich had his silver medal hanging in the barn um every day from the team so like that was just like a reminder of like the second place in 2017. Um, And for me, it was just like, okay, I'm the new girl. If I come in and they're switching from six to four and I'm like, it's kind of going to look like it's my fault if something happens, but having to like let that go and just work really hard. And um, it was great having, I think the two teams in 2018 was a huge benefit because there is always a competitive, we weren't just competing against, like I said, our team, we had this other team that was, very fit they came in fourth as across the game so they weren't a joke like they were very incredibly fit so the constant battle with that team really helped us I think Mm -hmm. like grow in that year yeah and then I suppose this year you had um Scott Panchik step in so like you know certainly not a weak link (laughs) taking taking up a role in the team uh you guys like did incredibly well in London and you were looking hungry and then it's just gone like, was it difficult, say, when the initial announcements about the season were coming out? Was it hard being a team competitor 
knowing like that the first to the chopping block was a team competition? Yeah, I was super heartbroken, honestly, from a standpoint of I just love competing, but I also felt like Wadapalooza 2020, that was our last competition. And I had seen for me in my own personal career, like to be the fittest I'd ever been and had, I'd started closing holes, like as far as swimming that I had always struggled with and running. And so I was pumped about 2020 and obviously being with Rich in China again. And then Scott was an easy addition to the team as far as not only fitness, but his personality is just super wonderful. Um, so yeah, I was like, I was all into 2020, super excited. We were, I remember we were supposed to leave for West Coast Classic, like maybe in a few days when we got the announcement of the shutdown and that West Coast Classic was going to be postponed. And then it's just a spiral effect. Um, I totally understand my, like CrossFit had to do what they had to do. And I totally get that. And I think it was just a hard year for everyone as far as COVID. But also for me, like in retrospect, me losing my CrossFit season is not really a big deal. Like it's really champagne problems um, when it comes to what people are really facing during COVID and things like that. So I just used it as a lens. Like, yeah, it was initially, it hurt, but then like a perspective of that's like, if that's like what's hard for you in this season, you're lucky, you know? So um, to be able to look at it through a different perspective and see that it's really not a big deal um, was good for me. Yeah, obviously then there was a nice little buzz around Mayhem like afterwards when Haley qualified for the games and like, do you know, she's like from the outside looking in, I'm, I'm sure it's uh, it's uh, echoed on the inside looking at her, but like she's just incredible. Like I was in all, I suppose, both stages of her, particularly her and Justin. Um, mm-hmm. So like Tia and Matt, obviously incredible and it was incredible to, I suppose, you know, be inside one of those moments where you're going to be asked like where were you when and it's like oh I was watching I saw when that happened <laughs> but then I guess like the the nice little I guess side salad of Justin and Haley's like attitude and grit like for two people that are so young is just astonishing to watch and like I know Justin mm-hmm. has been to Mayhem recently um, mm-hmm. and I just was curious I suppose what's it like for you um, as an athlete and a coach like helping Haley and being by your side and then watching I suppose the potential of those two like for a future in the sport oh my gosh it's been so incredible and Haley we talk about it all the time because the 2019 training season before she went to play six she actually was China for us like at at home because Dre and Rich are always paired together and Haley now are paired together so we push each other so much in 2019 and I think that's why a lot of us like not only us two together, but we are always trying to beat the boys because we do these workouts where we're like, we got to take down Rich and Dre. And we took them down a lot. I'm saying it on this podcast. Um, So it was just a lot of fun just pushing each other. And then the next season too, we did the same thing, just training together. And so to kind of witness her growth has been exciting for me because I saw her when she came into Mayhem. She originally came into Mayhem to be on Mayhem Independence. Um, And then that didn't happen. And she went, chose to go individual, which to then come in six at the games, like, holy moly, that is so cool. And her continued growth in fitness and um, not just fitness, but she's so young. She's, she just turned 20 in December and like her maturity is far above what mine was at 20 and like what most 20 year olds are. And to see how she holds herself so composed and so disciplined and works so hard, like most of the time, Rich and I are trying to hold it, like hold her back in a sense of like, okay, we don't need to do like a hundred workouts today. We can just 
do 80 and be okay with that. Um, but she's got that fire and like, you can't, you can't teach that. You can't make somebody have that. You just have it or you don't. And to see what happened this season, man, it was so cool. Like stage one to be there and witness her and then to go with her to stage two. And like you said, Justin too, it's like this composure that they have being so young. Um, and also I think kind of like this fearlessness of, being so young like Mm -hmm. they they're not even worried they're just going out like I'm just gonna go and compete and um Haley faced so much at the games this year and she still came out like just totally incredible so yeah it's been awesome to watch and be a small part of it yeah like I've heard you before like say how self-sufficient she is I guess and how mature and knowledgeable and like I've heard you downplay your role at the games and like you know I'm assuming a bit of modesty there. Like I'm, I'm sure you weren't just like, you know, clapping when she finished and nothing else. Like, but like, was it weird being surrounded by say, I said, Justin Cotler and Shane Orr and Ben and Adam and all these like lofty coaches with tons of experience and stuff. But like, did you feel uh, like, you know, weird about being around them or is it, is it even noticeable when there's so much going on anyway? Um, I think partly it wasn't super noticeable, but also like I hold them in high regard. Like I have a lot of respect for what they've done, their careers and these athletes that they've truly programmed for individually and built. And like I said about Haley and I say like, I traditionally am not her coach. I really am her training partner and her friend and, um, Rich does the programming for mayhem. So I'm not like working the same position as Justin Mm. or Shane, um, from the sense of like, that is literally their full-time job and they, you know, have been doing it for years and I totally respect that. So it was cool for me to just be there from like a standpoint of, I know, I also knew what Haley needed, which is different than maybe what they were, would give their athletes. Right. Um, so I knew her well enough to know what she needed from me. Uh, and then to kind of learn and just see like how, cause everyone's different. Everyone's got a different style and see like how they did this thing. And it was like a super, intimate environment whereas normal coaching scenarios with across the games there's so many people right that you're not even gonna I'm not even gonna see what Ben's doing or what <laughs> Shane's doing but in this environment they're like two feet away from me and I can hear everything they're saying um so it was like a really cool experience from both sides I definitely didn't feel like I shouldn't be there in any means because I knew from what Haley needed that I was the right person there but also too to see that yeah, what they've built and what they've done is really cool to witness. Yeah. Um, I guess since the games then most recently you've announced that you're taking a break from the competitive season um to focus on health issues, I guess. And you know, I suppose I go back to your faith again. Like, is that something that makes a decision like that more palatable or easier to stomach when you have to make it? Yes and no. It's been a really difficult decision, truly. Um, and I think being make it doesn't make it easier but then when you step through into like knowing what you should do you have you have God you know like to rely on like and in faith I know that God's got a plan for my life whether I'm out competing on the floor or I'm not and um one thing that's cool has been able to just like separate like I haven't had a season where I wasn't planning to compete or trained to compete since I was I think five (laughs) so it's more of like this grand unknown of like just this year being different than what my life looked like as far as a performance standpoint from a physical aspect. Um, so 
I say the decision's really hard, but then I have my faith in this, like, this cushion of just knowing that the plan is for good. And that although it may look like not ideal, like some people would be like, wow, that sucks. You're not competing. I'm like, yeah, but I feel like something really great is going to come out this year. And by feel, I know it's going to. Um, and I don't know exactly what that looks like yet, but I mean, getting healthy, getting 100% healthy to compete is one thing, right? That I know that will come from that um, tangibly. And then I'm sure there's going to be other really cool things. Um, there's so much opportunity at Mayhem. And so I love my job here and what I do here too. So to be able to pour more time into that is cool. Yeah. And then I suppose like, obviously you mentioned your identity there about, you know, like separating it and stuff, but I suppose a big part of who you are is mayhem and freedom and a competitor. Like, was it difficult say yesterday and last night watching the buzz and the excitement of announcing the new lineup from the outside this time? Yeah, it, it was definitely hard, but not because I don't think everyone's wonderful and I'm really excited for the team. Just hard knowing I'm not going to be out on the field, like mm. helping the team to a gold medal. For sure, that was difficult. But then there's also this clarity that I have knowing that I'm making the right decision. So it's like, it can, I'm like, oh, that stinks for a second, but then, okay, let's just cheer them on and see how they're going to do. And the team's going to be awesome, super fit. I'm pumped to watch them. I've uh, competed against Andrea and Taylor for since I've been on team um and then Chase I've known since I've been here too and obviously Rich been on team with him so I'm really excited to see what comes from it and then I suppose like immediately when I knew I was talking to you and then saw that announcement yesterday the the first thing that came into my head was like I suppose it's a common thing that no matter what you do or what one does there's like FOMO is something that affects people like that kind of fear of missing out and like you know sometimes a bit extreme where like you know, maybe if someone's training every day and they think, oh shit, what if I miss a day? Like, what if I lose some of my fitness? Or, you know, if you're doing, I don't know, like podcasts or vlogs or something, you're like, oh, what if I, what if I miss a release and people don't come back? Or, mm. you know, is that something that you've had to grapple with when you're making the decision as well of like, shit, if I step aside here, like, what if I, what if there isn't room like to step back in again? Yeah, totally. Um, that is definitely something that's crossed my mind, but I just comes back to just knowing that I'm making the right decision. And since I know that, um, I just have to have faith that if, if it's God's plan for me to get back on the team, I will. And, yeah. and if it's not, then something other door will open. And so it's kind of like, you can't, you can feel it for a second, but you can't dwell there. You can't live in the future of like this, like might happen situation. You can feel it for a second and then, okay, let's come back to the present and, just work on what I'm doing now and then the right doors will open and like they always have so you got to just step through those doors when they're there and so that's what I'm trying to do and it's kind of funny because this podcast I didn't know it was going to land on this day compared to like what was happening yesterday and I thought about earlier in the week and I'm like oh I know they're announcing it I'm like and then I have coffee pots and was I'm like are you going to be ready to talk? And I was like, <laughs> oh yeah, you're going to be fine. <laughs> yeah. uh, you you mentioned there stepping through a door. Um, this year also saw you like literally step through a door, uh, you know, a few thousand feet up in the air. So you did skydiving and like, I also have a fear of heights. Um, so like, how the hell did you do that? Because <laughs> I think I, I went, I, I remember I went uh, bungee jumping with my wife and, um, we were dating at the time and I went, uh, I, we went bungee jumping and I was like, you know, when you're seeing someone first and you try to act all like, you know, oh, yeah, it's fine. I don't mind whatever. So I got up and it was in like a forest and I got up uh, to the top and Orla, my wife did it just straight away. 
and I was just like, oh, okay, that's fine. And then I walked up to the edge, your man hooked me in and he, like, I was kind of standing on the edge and I was like, oh, I'm not doing this. And he was like, oh, it's fine. It's fine. And he was like, do you want me to help you? And I was like, what does help mean? And he was like, I'll grab like the, like, you know, essentially give you a wedgie on the harness and you just like lean forward. And then he'd like let go. And I just fall. And I was like, yeah, yeah, okay. So then like, step forward he was like yeah you're gonna need to step forward and i was like yeah yeah and he's like no but you actually need to you need to move like your feet to the, <laughs> the edge i was like yeah i am yeah and he's like no you're still about a meter and a half away from the edge you have to walk forwards so i'd say i was up there all in probably about 40 minutes of like he had me over the edge and i was like no 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 and like i think there's a, a like a, a legal thing where they can't oh even if they know that you're gonna enjoy it they can't like just be like oh look just go like they have to you have to like consent so that you can't sue later and be like, oh, I didn't want to do it or whatever. So at the end of it, then he was like, uh, he goes, well, you know, I'll count down from 10. And I was like, right, OK, I swear he was count down about 1500 times from 10. He's like, you know, two, <laughs> wh- <sighs> 10, like over and over again. <laughs> so like at the end, then he, he said, and I'll never forget the words. He was like, whatever you do, just make sure that you don't just step out. Because he was like, if you like, if you're this way and you step out, you'll go feet first. And then when you reach the end of the cord, you'll whip like, you know, you'll like yeah. whip down or whatever. So he was like, just I don't care what you do. Just make sure that you go head first. Like, don't go feet first. So I was like, right, OK. And then he was like, you know, counting down from 10 for like the 1400 time. And then he counted down from 10. And as I as I naturally enough stepped out because I'm an idiot, I heard him say, oh, fuck, when I stepped out. <laughs> And then, but so the last thing I heard when I stepped out was, oh, fuck. And I was like, oh, shit, is there something wrong? Like, I had forgotten that I had stepped out. I was like, there's something wrong. So I went down and there was like a Velcro wrap around my ankles and then another harness around my waist and the Velcro wrap around my ankles. I heard like a noise of Velcro and I felt my feet slip. But what actually happened was my shoe came off when I was in. So nothing happened my the strap, but my shoe came off and it like, I freaked. I genuinely was like, I'm dead. Like I'm going to hit that tree that's over there. Like my feet are after coming out and my wife still has a video. And all you can hear is me like screaming at the top of my lungs, my shoe, because my shoe would come off. But I was never so relieved. I remember looking up and just seeing my shoe hanging down, thinking like, oh, my feet are still in it. I'm alive. Like, yeah. fine. But yeah, I like what immediately when I saw your the vlog, the, the mayhem vlog and you talk about like on your social media and stuff about doing it that story pops straight into my head but like that is nothing compared to like you're putting your trust in i guess um okay you can't even see the ground really so the, you know that's worse um you're also putting your trust in another human and in like the you know i had a cable attached so the likelihood of the cable breaking is so slim compared to like you know like parachutes don't open sometimes <laughs> so, yeah for sure like was yeah, that I- was that like a did you really have to build yourself up to it? Because I know you said like, oh, I wasn't going to do it. I was there and I was like, no, I'm not doing it. Like, was it the the kind of peer pressure element of it? Or was it like, I might not have this opportunity again kind of thing? It was both for sure. So like I had, our team had gone skydiving a few months earlier and I was straight up, no, I'm not, I'm not doing this. I'm like, I don't have a desire to jump on a plane. Like I'm scared of heights. Why would I go up in a plane and throw myself out of it? And then when the Army Warrior Fitness thing presented, jumping with the Golden Knights, I looked at the Golden Knights. I'm like, okay, these people are legit. Like this is, I knew that that was a once in a lifetime opportunity to jump with them. So I had that like over here. 
And then everyone was like, no way Tasia's going to do it. Like Tasia, they were taking the, bets. The classic when competitive I was... development. <laughs> yeah, they're taking bets on me in the plane if I was going to get out or if I was going to ride it back down. So then there was like, okay, like, true, you guys. Like, I'm way tougher than you think I am. And I was like sick. Like, it was, I talked about it on the vlog, but I remember in my brain, like, I was trying to think about something. Like, I was trying to like pray. I was trying to think positive things, but I couldn't even think straight. It was just like, ding, 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 ding. Um, and I actually had a mini, like, I wouldn't say a panic attack, but we got to, so they have this clear door on the side of the plane. So you can see as you're going up, like, that you're getting really high. And I was sitting right by the door because I was going to be first one out. Haley was in the plane with me, too, and she was going to be second out. And I, like, get all strapped in. I'm strapped to my guy who was ace. He was great. He's the fastest man in the Army, which is pretty crazy. And so... I'm like sitting there and we're getting up to 13,000 feet. And I know it's how I'm like, <gasps> like, I'm like full on like heavy wheezing and they're filming me. They're like, <laughs> you know, this looks bad. And it's like, Hey, Hey, take a second. I want you to lay back on me. So there's this one picture. I haven't shared it, but I'm like, he had me lay back on him. Cause I was sitting on top of him and took me through breathing exercises. No joke. He takes me through breathing exercises. And then I'm like laying my head on his shoulder and he goes, okay. They'd open the door while I was laying down and they go, okay, stand up and walk towards the door. And I had my hand sucked in. I was just like, all right, oh, there we go. And um, being in the door, like, I think for you, you almost had it harder, I would think, because you have to get yourself out. Like once I, I knew once I was in the door, I was going out of the plane. Like I wasn't coming back in the plane. And so all I had to do was just hold on to my hands like this and let Ace put me out of the plane, which I think is easier than like, if I was standing like you on the edge by myself, I don't think I would have gone. For so, the majority of I it, was... I wasn't standing by the edge. Just <laughs> <laughs> do you yeah, like and... when you're on the way down? Do you breathe? Like can, you you can't breathe surely for a good like until the parachute opens. I assume can you? Well, so for me, it's funny because I thought the free fall was going to be the scarier part. Where I think the free fall was less scary than what you'd expect because the ground's so far away. So like you're just like it's this weird feeling of like you don't know what's happening. Like. I'm falling, but you don't really feel like you're going a hundred and whatever miles. You don't feel like that. You're just like, okay. And you're not scared because the grain, the ground's not coming at you at lightning speed, even though it is, it doesn't look like it. Hmm. Um, so that part was not that scary. I mean, it wasn't like, I wasn't thrilled, but <laughs> once the, the parachute opened, I'm like, okay, parachute's open. The day we jumped happened to be really windy. Um, it was safe for like their regulations. But for me in my head, I'm like thinking about, this is when it got scary for me because the ground's getting closer. Like we're coming closer. I can see, okay, if the parachute gets collapsed to here, I'm definitely not going to make it. Like <laughs> this will be the end. And I can hear the wind like, <sighs> and Ace, he's so funny. Cause for me, like I like to talk and I was trying to talk to him and I was like asking him about his family and we got to the ground. He's like, I've never had someone ask me about my family before. Like all his daughter's names. I'm like, just please talk to me. I'm so afraid because I was so afraid under canopy, honestly. Um, and then I land on the ground and was like, all right, I'm never doing that again, which everyone's like, what? Most people are like, oh my God, it's so fun. I was like, no, that was like horrific. <laughs> I'm good. I, I'm glad you clarified that the the questioning uh, questioning element of your journey came when the parachute was open. I was imagining you like hurtling at 100 miles an hour and being like, tell me about your wife and kids. <laughs> which even under there he could barely hear me i'm like what are your kids names it was like one of them's mercedes i remember he's like trying to like, he's trying to like steer the parachute 
he didn't even offer like the everyone else was like hey do you want to do the thing i was like heck no <laughs> keep your hands on the, the yeah. pole um well look we finished with a quick fire okay. um so they're they're either or so snatch or clean snatch uh deadlift or squat squat gymnastics or cardio gymnastics i thought so uh bike or row <laughs> bike uh coach or compete compete uh, team or individual team cool okay um well listen thanks a million I, I like i suppose first of all best of luck with your recovery and everything that you have planned this year i know you've got some some uh some maybe more personal fitness goals this year so i look forward to seeing how you do with those um and yeah we're looking forward to seeing you back in 2022 <laughs> there you go thank you so much for having me i had a great time seriously